Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So here in the United States, I think a, a consensus is slowly forming uh, among analysts that are familiar with the economic picture here that, you know, to, to, to put it lightly, there's an increased risk of a slowdown, of a recession in, in the short to midterm, whether we're talking about already being in a recession, the next six months, the next 12 months, something along those lines. Now, the reasons for it, I, I think, are, are various, whether it's the recent inversion of the yield curve, the fact that that has in the past uh, been a very good predictor of a recession, or the economic data that has been pretty poor as of late. Quarter one's looking to be a pretty poor uh, quarter for economic growth. Um, it could be because of uh, global economic growth. The fact that that China is, is seeing slower economic growth despite intervention from their government. The EU, some countries are on the cusp or already are in a recession. They're dealing with some of their own issues there. In fact, I think there's a consensus form in there too that at the global level, we could be heading for a somewhat synchronized global recession over the next 6 to 12 months. That's going to look different from country to country. But Australia, Canada, I'll be talking about Australia later on in this video and this podcast, um, they're in a lot of trouble as well. I think this consensus is slowly forming. And yet, when, when you look at the numbers, I mean, quarter one GDP here in the United, in the United States, it'll probably be around 1%. I mean, it could it could print even below that, could be slightly above, but that's, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's not a recession, right? It's still a, a decent ways from 0%. Even if it was negative, even if it was negative 0.1%, you know, some people would be thinking, you know, Matt, what, what's the big deal? Why are you concerned here? Why are you talking about this? Why are you talking about being in uncharted waters? I'll get to that here in a second. In the sorry, in the European Union, Italy, they're in a recession right now. But when people talk about it, they oftentimes use the term technical recession because when you look at the numbers, it's not that big of a deal in terms of a contraction thus far. Germany, cusp of a recession, but still, I mean, closer to zero percent growth, neutral growth than anything else. Uh, China. They're in a slowdown in terms of, of the rate of growth is slowing down, but they're still growing. So, so what's the big concern here? Why am I, am I saying that we're in uncharted waters? Really, the, the root of it is monetary policy. And I know when I say that word, maybe some of my viewers, they, their brains turn off. They click to something else. Monetary policy. That's not a, a glamorous topic. If I talk to friends or family about something like monetary policy, I know that for the most part, their brains turn off. They don't want to understand it or they just think it's not that big of a deal or it's too complex. It's not that complex. And yet most people don't understand the importance of monetary policy. The The fact of the matter is that in terms of monetary policy, the policy that's conducted by central banks like the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, etc., is that historically dovish levels. Historically, very easy monetary policy. I don't want to go so far as to say it's the easiest it's ever been. You know, we've had QE here in the United States in the past. You know, the Fed in particular has been able to somewhat tighten, 
very small. Historically, they're still very accommodative compared to where they were before the financial crisis. But globally, we're dealing with a potential global slowdown with central banks at, at a very accommodative policy. And if you go on the street, you know, here in the United States or elsewhere, and you ask 100 people, what does the Fed do? What is their role in the economy, in the global markets, in the domestic markets, etc.? I think you'd be hard-pressed to find um, um, 10 people that could give you a decent definition of what the Fed is. Five people I could tell you uh, just a basic explanation of, of what they do. Maybe one or two people that would be able to tell you the importance of, of what they do. And yet, you know, I think many people that are you know more, more familiar with the subject would say that it was the Fed that pulled us out of the recession, that prevented the financial crisis from um, going terminal. Now, I would argue that, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. There were excesses that maybe had to be wiped out. But, you know, that's my, my own opinion. The Fed was instrumental in that. The Fed, most people would say, has been instrumental in, in keeping this economic expansion alive. The ECB, the Bank of Japan, People's Bank of China, and other central banks, they have been, those, them and the federal governments have, have kind of been the key players in, in keeping this global expansion um, on, on life support. And that hasn't changed. They remain very accommodative. Their interest rate policies are very low. The ECB, negative. Bank of Japan, negative. United States, uh, between 2.25 and, and 2.5%. Reserve Bank of Australia, very low. Uh, the, the, the central bank in Canada, very low interest rates. Many of these central banks have uh, conducted QE, right? And, and they haven't decreased that from their balance sheet. They remain very accommodative, and yet we're slipping into another recession, why is that important? Why are we in uncharted waters? Well, I mean, let's go back. Let's go back 10 years to 2009, 2008, the, the time of the Great Recession and the Great Financial Crisis, or so it's called. In response to this financial crisis and this economic slowdown, what did the Fed do? They lowered interest rates by something like 5% to, to basically 0%. And they did a ton of QE. As a whole, over the next, uh, what was it, like five-ish, six years, something along those lines, they printed um, north of three, maybe even north of $4 trillion in order to buy bonds and buy mortgage-backed securities. That's what they needed to do to prevent the, the U.S. economy from slipping into a deep depression, from the collapse of the financial sector, the, the, the insolvency, the, the bankruptcy of, of many uh, major U.S. financial institutions and, and other corporations. That plus the United States government having to do massive bailout programs, massive stimulus programs in the, in the hundreds of billions, even trillions of dollars to save the U.S. economy. And yet today, they don't have those tools, right? It's like saying you have a country that had to throw basically all they had. They had to institute a draft. They had to manufacture thousands of planes and missiles and tanks. They had to, uh, you know, extend their draft to to kids that are 14 years old and old guys that are like in their 60s or 70s to to stave off a invasion. They barely did it. They barely kept these invaders at bay, this this hypothetical, this fictional country. And yet 10 years later, they're, they're dealing with a similar invasion, a perhaps even larger scale. And guess what? They don't have the manufacturing capacity they had before. They don't have the base of people. They have maybe half the amount of people to call up 
to fight it off. I mean, that's what the Fed is dealing with right now in terms of the economy. And it's only worse around the world. Australia, I said I'd talk about Australia. Australia is in the midst of a housing collapse. Let's call it what it is. There, there's some places in Australia, some housing markets, urban or suburban housing markets that are still seeing their prices go up. But as a whole, the big ones, the prices are dropping significantly, north of 10% from their peak. And remember, Australia, their their uh, central bank remains very accommodative still. This is a country that has not dealt with a, a recession in, in north of, I think, 25 years. They did not deal with what the United States dealt with 10 years ago. Their reserve bank remains, their central bank remains very accommodative. And yet their housing market is still headed for a similar crash landing to what the United States dealt with 10 years ago. That's scary because again, we needed, we didn't need, but we had the central bank to sort of bail us out and the federal government to bail us out. We don't have that this time around. Australia does not have that this time around. We're in uncharted waters. And don't get me wrong, you know, this, 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 I uh, consensus, this, this perception that the global economy is slowing, that could change. Six months from now, we could talk about, be talking about slight expansion again. Not robust growth, I don't think, but, but slight expansion, sure. But the circumstances won't have changed. Central banks will still be extremely accommodative. And when the next major black swan strikes, or series of black swans, when we head into the next global recession, central banks will be found to be largely, I think, impotent. Very little power to stave off the next recession. They're going to try, don't get me wrong. The Fed is who has maybe the most firepower right now of the major central banks because they've been able to raise interest rates, are still only going to have half of what they had to fight the financial crisis and the Great Recession in terms of how low they can lower interest rates. Unless they want to go deeply, deeply negative. I, I don't think they will. Maybe slightly, but not not deeply negative. The ECB, basically no room in terms of interest rates. Bank of Japan, no room. People's Bank of China, they've been injecting a massive amount of stimulus into their economy uh, even just this year in 2019. Hasn't been doing a whole lot. They don't have a whole lot of room. So, I mean, really, that what, what that means is central banks have other tools. They can print a ton of money. They will, I think, quantitative easing and others and, and in other programs to inflate the monetary supply and ultimately try and inflate the economy. Well, it's going to lead to inflation, sure, of the currency. Um, but I think largely it's going to be found to be impotent. They're going to deal with this idea of diminishing returns that maybe the first uh, uh, wave of the second wave of, of QE, QE4 here in the United States, might have some effect, but not nearly the effect that QE1, 2, and 3 had here in the United States. I think the same is going to be true overseas. And ultimately, I mean, that's that's going to be there too. And governments are going to try and spend a massive amount of money to try and, and, and fix this. But ultimately, that's going to lead to recession because global governments, there's just not the appetite for that debt right now. A doubling of deficits, whether we're talking about here in the United States or other countries, there's just not appetite for that outside of central banks. They're going to have to print money to monetize the debt. I mean, we are in uncharted waters. This, If the U.S. heads for a recession in the next 12 months, and, and we see a similar picture in Europe, in Australia, in Canada, in China, I mean, that's really the big one. Central banks are, are not going to be the solution. They're going to try and be the solution, but they're going to be found to be impotent. 
Um, and ultimately, this is going to lead to inflation. And it's going to lead to, uh, uh, I think, a really, really terrible time of, of economic slowdown, another depression, potentially worse than than the Great Depression. Because central banks, the number one tool that has been used to uh, 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 keep this global economy inflated over the last 10 years are basically out of ammunition. They're, they're a nation that basically has a very small population remaining to, to, to draft, to conscript into services to fight off the next uh, uh, invasion, the next recession. And ultimately, this is not going to end well. Um, next recession... Uh, next global recession is, I think, can be a very deep one, a long-lasting one, one that is going to make the the financial crisis and the Great Recession look uh, uh, pretty short-lived and and pretty minor in the whole scheme of things. So this might sound doom and gloomy, but but this is a fact of the matter. I think people just do not understand just how, how dire these circumstances are. Don't get me wrong; this is not something that's going to play out over the next week or month or like that. I mean, this is the next couple of years I'm talking here, but. It's going to be bad, and, and I think it's, it's, it's time to, if nothing else, mentally prepare ourselves uh, for uh, this next uh, recession and ultimately, I think, depression. So, as always, I'd like to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video, listening to this podcast, and God bless.